You're listening to Renewing Religion, a podcast about worship, social duties, and spirituality featuring an overview of Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya. This podcast is brought to you by Seekers Hub. This Ramadan, our goal is to raise $75,000 in monthly donations to build a global Islamic seminary so that dedicated students all over the world can complete their journeys and become Islamic scholars. You can help them by becoming a monthly donor at seekershub.org slash donate. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala sayyidina wa nabiyina wa habibina Muhammad. Sayyidil awalina wal akhirin. Imamil muttaqin. Al-nabiyil hadi ila siratil mustaqim. Al-mab'uthi bil-tawheedi. واليقين وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الحمد لله As we continue to look at renewing religion and our look at a thematic overview of Imam Al-Ghazali's Ihya'ul Mudin the renewal of the sciences of religion which is in reality a renewal of the realities of religion we're going to begin tonight by looking at the book of divine oneness and trust in Allah, mighty and majestic. And then we're going to look at love and longing and intimacy. So, Imam al-Ghazali very insightfully put two of the central realities of religion together tawheed and tawakkul divine oneness and trust in allah why because if you understand what tawheed is what divine oneness is what does this entail it entails a few qualities it entails if you know Divine oneness, it, it entails having certitude within your heart and tawakkul and trust and reliance upon Allah when it, has, when it comes to dealing with all that happens. Why? Because there are different notions of God. Right? People understood God in different ways. Some talk about God as the mysterium tremendum, the great mystery. Right? Some talk about God as the great unknowable. Right? Or the one so sacred that nothing can be said about Him. That before the reality of God, there is only silence. Or, on the other hand, when you think about God as being the one who has created all things in all ways and who is, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His hand are all affairs. So some started ascribing divinity to every tremendous phenomenon in existence. So the God of the wind and the God of the rain and the God of the earth and the God of the sky and the God of this and that and everything. 
others erred with respect to divine oneness that, well, existence needs a necessary cause, and that's God. But then, once the ball is rolling, it rolls on its own. And we say, no, that the reality of Tawheed, of divine oneness, is to recognize a basic reality. Allah is the necessary existent. Everything else is dependent upon Allah. Allah is the necessary existent. Allahu wajibul wujud. Everything else, which is, everything else is originated, is mukawwan. Right? It's originated. And as Ibn Ata'illah summarized this discussion, Al-Akwanu Thabitatun Bi-Ithbatihi. Creation, created things, are affirmed by Allah's having affirmed them. Mamhuwatun Bi-Ahadiyati Thatihi. But completely, nothing, completely effaced before the oneness of Allah's entity. Right? This is our notion of Tawheed. That Allah is sustaining everything. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sustaining everything. What is reality? Reality is that, as Imam al-Ghazali says in this, you know, in this chapter, for in reality, the only thing that exists independently is Allah. Is laysa fil wujud illa Allah. Dhatuhu Nothing exists but Allah with His entity and attributes. وَأَفْعَالُهُ And Allah's actions. وَمَمْلَكَتُهُ وَعَبِيدُهُ مِنْ أَفْعَالِهِ And as for His dominion, as for creation, and as for Allah's servants, they're from Allah's actions. وَاللَّهُ خَلَقَكُمْ وَمَا تَعْمَلُونَ Allah has created you and all that you do. This is our... Understanding of divine oneness. And Allah is one in Himself. He necessarily exists. He is one in His attributes. He is necessarily possessed of all the attributes of perfection. And He is one in His actions. La khaliqa illallah. There is no creator but Allah. He is the sole actor. Nothing happens in existence except that it is Allah's creating. Hada khalqullah. This is the creating of Allah. This is the creating um, of Allah. So this is so anything that has happened or is happening or will happen is because Allah has willed it and it is Allah who's creating it. That is Tawheed. That is Tawheed. Everything in existence is in a state of ubudiyah, of slavehood to Allah. Existential slavehood. Utterly dependent for its very existence upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both in coming into existence and in remaining in existence. So if that is the case, if that is Tawheed, right? 
And that's the notion of, la, that's the understanding of la ilaha illallah. Right? That for us, looking as servants of, as God's creation, ya ayyuhan nas antumul fuqara'u ilallah. You are the ones in need of Allah, in complete neediness to Allah. Wallahu huwa al-ghani, and Allah, He alone is the free of need. Then we'd understand the basis of, of tawakkul, of reliance upon Allah. So Imam al-Ghazali puts it very powerfully. He says, know well, know well that reliance upon Allah is from the, from the doors of faith. And all the doors of faith are not made sound except through Three things, through knowledge and state and action. You have to know, you have to characterize yourself by the implications of that knowledge, and there's a resultant state, hal, right? And that applies to faith and the qualities of faith, and one of the central qualities of, faith, of being faithful is reliance upon Allah. And tawakkul he says is like that. Right? Tawakkul, reliance upon Allah, has three parts. It has knowledge, which is the basis. To know who is the one trusted upon and what is trust. And there's an action, which is the fruit of that knowledge. Right? And then there's a resultant state. So tawakkul has three parts. There's a knowledge. That knowledge results in... A, an act which is trusting and when you are trusting regularly enough there's a resultant state which is trust in Allah that you have this quality right so what is the knowledge of reliance upon Allah which is the basis right the basis of tawakkul as knowledge is to know who is the one being trusted upon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So in that sense, they say that faith, iman requires certitude. Faith requires certitude. And certitude lived is tawakkul. Certitude, yaqeen, lived is tawakkul. So the, the root... The, the knowledge from which tawakkul arises is nothing but knowing who is the one trusted upon Allah. Who is He? What's the action then? What is the resultant action? The resultant action is that in all your choices, Turn to Allah before you turn to creation. That is the action. The active act of trusting. Where does trusting arise? You are a servant of Allah. Allah has given you the subtle reality of choice. Right? So the knowledge you as a servant of God have to have is to know who is Allah. 
Who is Allah? Khaliqu kulli shay, the creator of all things. Allah has created you and He creates all that you do. So you trust Him even with respect to your own self. Right? That you don't rely on yourself. We don't believe in self-reliance. You never think, I can do this. Allahumma inni la amliku li nafsi naf'a. Oh Allah, I do not possess for myself, said the Prophet no benefit, nor harm. I, you possess nothing. You're in a state of absolute neediness to Allah. He is the one in, in whose hands everything is. So then, that knowledge, what's the action that, that is sought? Trust in Allah is not something that is an accidental thing. That when there's difficulties, you trust in Allah. Okay? That when things are really difficult, you trust in Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes those who are at the sea. Right? When do they place their trust in Allah? When things are really bad. When the, the waves like buildings, right? like mountains, come crashing upon the ship, they call upon Allah, reliant upon Him. That is just the trust of convenience. True trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that the trust in Allah relates to your choices. The human being has the capacity to make choices. To be a true servant of Allah is to know Allah before your choices. And to trust in Allah before you choose. And we have to practice that trust. We have to practice that trust. How? That reliance, that tawakkul. The Prophet ﷺ in the hadith of Ibn Abbas explains, Guard Allah and He will guard you. Remain guarding of Allah and you'll find Him before you. How? Guard Allah means guard your consciousness of Allah. And He'll take care of you. Remain guarding of your consciousness of Allah. Who is your Lord? Who is your master? Who is your caretaker? Who is your sustainer? Right? That is the beginning of our real the reality of slavehood. Being conscious of the oneness of Allah and before we make our choices, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should accustom ourselves to this. The people of the spiritual path, as Imam Ghazali explains, they have this concept, Imam Ghazali doesn't use these words, they, what they call salbul iradati lillah, negating your will for the sake of Allah. Negating your will, so you don't, Direct yourself to things because you want to or you don't. You, and you don't direct yourselves to things based on your sense of ability and power. Right? This is why 
tawakkul, reliance upon Allah, arises from knowledge of divine oneness. And divine oneness expresses who you are. You are, you are in a state of absolute slavehood to Allah. So therefore, when the action of trusting relates to every act, that before you act, you pause. And you turn to Allah before you turn to the means. You turn to Allah before you turn to the means. So it begins by renewing your sense of consciousness of Allah before acting. Which is, that's the power of dhikr of Allah, remembrance of Allah, which is the nurturer of faith. Then, before you act, take care of Allah. Guard, Allah meaning guard the consciousness of Allah. And He will take care of you. Remain guarding of consciousness of Allah and you'll become conscious of Allah. You'll find Him before you. You'll have consummate awareness of Allah. And the Prophet explained to Ibn Abbas, إِذَا سَأَلْتَ فَاسْأَلِ if you ask, ask Allah. Meaning, before you ask people, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَإِذَا اسْتَعَنْتَ And if you rely, if you seek assistance, فَاسْتَعِنْ بِاللَّهِ Then, seek Allah's assistance. Rely on Allah. Meaning, that before you turn to the means, pause, feel your neediness for Allah. Realize that there la hawla wa la quwa. There is no ability nor any power illa billah, except by Allah. And if you do that, then you will be taking the means while trusting in Allah. Then you are in a state of true consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is the state of those beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? All of slavehood is between two meanings. Right? The path to Allah is between two meanings. It is you alone that we submit to. And it is you alone that we seek assistance of. Right? And a number of authors said the whole spiritual path, the whole journey of the believer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to our eternal stations of closeness with Allah, is between these two. To, to become realized in the reality, that it is Allah alone that we worship. نعبد, that is being conscious of Allah and therefore submitting to Him. But in that, it is you alone that we seek assistance in, that we rely upon. Why? Because of who Allah is. So the practical way to bring this into our lives is before every act to pause. Because we are called upon to be sincere in our act. 
The only way to be sincere in our act, which is to seek Allah alone in our action, is to turn our hearts to Allah before the act. The Prophet ﷺ commanded, جَدِّدُوا إِيمَانَكُمْ Renew your faith. So, before any action, to pause. To renew your consciousness of Allah before you act. That's إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدْ You alone do we serve. And ibadah is worship, submission, service. That's the first part. You renew that. But then, it is you alone we seek assistance in. It is you alone we rely upon. We don't rely upon others. Is the ultimately, trust in Allah is the ultimately empowering realization. You don't rely on people. You don't rely on your employer, your employees, your teachers, your students, your donors, your parents, nothing. You rely upon Allah. While taking the means with dignity, with appreciation, with gratitude. So this active action of continually turning to Allah in recognition of oneness and in conscious Realization, that is the act of trusting. And we should practice this not only in difficulty, but also in ease. And the test of trust in Allah is when you have a sense that you can handle it. Right? When, you've got, when you think, I've got things under control. Because that is the greater delusion. Because when things aren't in control, then it's kind of obvious. Right? Like, what else are you going to do? Right? You're daydreaming and you're speeding. So now the police might suspend your license. They say, Oh Allah, I, I rely on you. Right? This is why the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of Ibn Abbas, that we quoted about guard Allah, be, be mindful of Allah and He'll be mindful of you. Towards the end of one of the narrations, the Prophet ﷺ said, Ta'arraf ilallah fir rakha. Get to know Allah in ease. Get to know Allah in ease. Ya'rifka fi shidda. He will know you in difficulty. But how do you get to know him? Both through consciousness of him and trust in him. Right? To the extent that you can nurture the reliance upon Allah and the trust in Allah in ease. In when, when things seem to be in control. Right? You're in a baking, children's baking contest and they ask you to bake something that you know how to bake well. So say, I can handle this. Nope. Rely on Allah. Say, oh Allah, I ask you that you facilitate this for me. La hawla wa la quwwata illa There's no ability nor power except by Allah. Hasbun Allah wa ni'mal wakil. 
Allah alone is our sufficiency and He is the best of guardians. Right? So you renew your sense of neediness to Allah in the things that you think you can do. In ease, in success. And make this a part of the mundane. And this is why, what did the Prophet say when he left his home? Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah. In the name of Allah, I place my trust upon Allah. Wala hawla wala quwwata illa billah. And there is no ability nor power except through Allah. When leaving the home. And you know, you're in Medina, you're the Prophet. What, what do you have to like be so worried about? Right? But this is nurturing this sense of oneness and this sense of reliance upon Allah. All the sunnah dhikrs that we do express this consciousness of the oneness of Allah and the reliance upon Allah. Even waking up. I, say, I woke up. Now, according to spiritual grammar, right? Saying I woke up is spiritually ungrammatic. Why? Because did you wake up? No. Well, you did. Outwardly. But I said, Allah woke you up. Now, of course, if you go around telling people, oh, Allah woke me up today at 8.30. And then, and Sister Laymuna says, oh, Allah woke me up at 2.30. People think you're crazy. But it's they who are crazy, because they're seeing things upside down. Rather, look at the sunnah du'as. Allahumma bismika amutu wa ahya. Oh Allah, it is by your name that I die and come to life. The, the lesser death of sleep and the waking thereafter. Right? And come to life, here's the waking thereafter. By your name. In reality, ulama say, when we say bismika, by your name, it is not by the mention of your name. In, in reality, it is by you do I go to sleep and I, do I wake up. The reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of His mercy has commanded us through His Prophet to say, Bismika, by your name, is that most of us don't wake up with a sense of reliance upon it is by you, O Lord, that I've woken up. Because if you said that, you'd be a liar. Unless you genuinely. Unless you genuinely were reliant upon Allah. So we say, Bismika, by your name do I die and come to life. Likewise, when we say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, in the name of Allah, or literally by the name of Allah, the merciful and compassionate, when we say Bismillah, this is a statement of reliance. By the name of Allah, meaning reliant upon Allah. The merciful, right? the encompassingly caring and giving, and the particularly caring and giving. Do I begin? Do I eat? Etc. We only say by the name of Allah, out of mercy from Allah. Because if you say Bismillah, if you say Billah, say by Allah am I eating. But you're not conscious of your neediness to Allah, you'd be a liar. So Allah is merciful. He says, by the name of Allah. But do you rely on the name or the one named? You rely on the one named. So even the Bismillah is, an, is mercy from Allah. 
Because the reality is when we say, when you begin to eat, we eat reliant upon Allah. Al-ba is the listi'ana. The ba here, by, is for seeking assistance, for reliance. But we, re we don't rely on the name, you rely on the one named. Right? So you're saying, by Allah am I eating. Why? Because Allah is sustaining you. Allah is sustaining the food. Allah brought you to the food. Allah brought the food to you. The story of life is God. Right? There's one, the theater of life has one actor, Allah. That's it. Everything else are just shadows. So these prophetic, how do we nurture tawakkul? We want to three qualities, right? The first is before any action, turn to Allah. By being striving to be conscious of Allah before you make any choice. And then before you choose, consciously place your reliance upon Allah. How? This, all the sunnah dhikrs nurture this reliance upon Allah. You enter the washroom. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khaba'ith. Oh Allah, I seek refuge, meaning I flee in reliance to you from the, you know, the, the vile ones, male and female. You know, the male and female devils. I rely, I seek refuge in you, reliant upon you. It's an act. All the dhikrs are acts of expressing your reliance upon Allah. But we should say them with that sense of reliance. Every time we say, Bismillah, it's an act of reliance upon Allah. So say, Bismillah, before you do everything. You turn on your computer, say, Bismillah. You begin... You're, you're, you volunteer for Celebrate Mercy. You volunteer for the, the Muslim Welfare Center. You volunteer for Seekers Hub. Before you wash the dishes. Are you washing the dishes just to wash dishes? Or are you doing it for Allah? If you're doing it for Allah, remind yourself of Allah first. And then say Bismillah, but not with the tongue only. Say it with the heart. By Allah am I beginning washing my dishes washing these dishes, or whatever else you do. This is how we nurture Tawheed. If you keep turning to Allah, and you keep relying on Allah, there's two promises. Allah will take care of you, that's the first one. But the second is, you, it's an amazing statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Guard Allah and He will guard you. Keep guarding Allah, and you'll find him before you. Meaning you will be more conscious of Allah than you are of the things around you and than you are of your own self. Because Allah is more real than you are. Your reality is only a dependent reality. You exist because Allah is sustaining you. So who's more real? The sustainer or, or the sustained? Allah is more real. So next time you bake those cookies, bake them 
by Allah. And they'll come out better, at least spiritually. And that's how we take the means, when you have the medicine. Right? The medicine works, but, no, but beware. Right? These, the world of means is a, te is a test of Tawheed. Don't visit the doctor thinking, well, they'll, you know, they'll know what to do, right? Renew your sense of neediness for, for who is Allah and your neediness to Allah. Practice the basmala, the sunnah dhikrs. The third is, it was a frequent practice of the early Muslims to say the Fatiha before beginning things. And this is not just for the barakah, just for the blessing. But the first part of the Fatiha is an affirmation of who is Allah. That's divine oneness. What's the consequence of divine oneness? You alone do we worship. And even the statement, after affirm, repeatedly affirming the oneness of Allah in the Fatiha, we say, you alone do we worship. It begins in the third person. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddi. It's the third person. But by repeated affirmation of the, of the realities of divine oneness, we say, you alone do we worship. Iyaka na'bud. Why? Because after you've gone from distance to closeness. From absence to presence. Because now you're addressing Allah directly. Iyaka na'bud. It is you alone do we worship? Right? And in the Fatiha itself is a, a reminder of regular remembrance. But if you are conscious of Allah, that you alone do we worship, submit to and serve, then Because if you know who is Allah, He is the Lord and sustainer of the worlds. And the merciful, the compassionate, the one who possesses all now and on the day of resurrection, then you only rely on Him. Iyaka, you alone do we rely upon. So practice that in the Fatiha when you recite it. In every prayer. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us realize these realities. And this is the reality embodied by the Prophet of which we can only glimpse a little bit. Right? That state of complete, they call it bardul tawakkul, trust in Allah, they call it bardul yaqeen, the coolness of certitude. That drowned in the world of means, you have the calmness of certitude. Why? لا تحزن إن الله معنا do not sorrow, for, for truly Allah is with us. Do not sorrow, do not grieve. The Prophet said to Abu Bakr in the cave, and Allah Taala mentioned those words in Revelation. When he says to his companion, لا تحزن, do not sorrow. إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعْنَا Truly, Allah is with us. That is the state of reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
and it was manifest both in hardship, all the events in his leaving Mecca and his reliance, not just in the cave, but afterwards when that man came on horse, in Suraqa, and Abu Bakr was, because he, he, the man was armed, they weren't. And the Prophet was, you say, complete, we'd say, completely chilled out. He was, why? It's reliance upon Allah. But that reliance was also manifest in victory. It's not only in hardship. Also in victory. How did he enter Mecca? He left Mecca reliant. He entered Mecca reliant. In victory. What was his state? He was bent over such that his forehead was almost touching the back of his mount. Why? He entered reliant as well. And in his address to his people, it was evident that he was in a state of complete reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us of this state because it is of the prophetic state. This is the state of all the past prophets. All the past prophets. This intense reliance upon Allah. That's why we have so many du'as of the prophets in the Qur'an. All of them express this reliance upon Allah. And by connecting to the sunnah dhikrs related to the various activities. Say them not just by their words. These are treasure chests of meanings of divine oneness and reliance upon Allah. The Fatiha nurtures in it the sense of divine oneness and reliance upon Allah. And finally, before every choice, turn your heart to Allah and rely upon Allah. Raise your hands in dua, consigning all matters in Allah, not just in difficulty, learn to make dua in ease. Ask Allah for acceptance. That's one of the things. If things go well, ask Allah for acceptance. Ask Him for, for benefit. Right? And that's how we nurture these qualities. We ask Allah SWT to realize us in these. So this is a little bit of what we wanted to mention about reliance upon Allah and trust, which is one of the most important of the realities of, of faith. In book 36 of the Ihya, Imam al-Ghazali talks about a very sensitive topic about love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some of the early Muslims said that if people ask you do you love Allah be silent why? because if you say you don't it's disbelief it's obligatory to love Allah but if you say you do you're making a tremendous claim because every claim requires proof. And where's the proof that you love Allah? Right? Because what is love? Right? What is love? As one of the poets said, This is how love is. Otherwise, it is just, it is by Allah just pretense. Right? Love is not an easy claim. Right? But it is the highest of what is sought, which is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the quality of true believers is amanu And those who believe are most intense 
in their love of Allah. And there are numerous proofs, both from the Qur'an and from the Sunnah of the Prophet about the centrality of love in our religion. The centrality of love in our religion. That the very, so much so that many have said that the very act of creating is an act of love. It's an act of love from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the very purpose of existence is to love. يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ And that's one of the verses that many of the scholars took, that Allah loves them unconditionally. The very fact that He created them is an act of love. He took them out, from, took all of us out, all of existence out, from, abs- from the absolute darkness of non-existence into the light of existence. And He keeps us there. That is love. And the test of life is, do they love him? يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَ So life right, is a love, existence is a love story. But Allah has created you to love him. True success in life is whether you truly love Allah as the reality of love entails. Now, what is love? What is love? And some of the the ulama said love cannot be defined and love cannot be talked about. And the more you talk about love, the less it makes any sense. Because love is a subtle experiential reality, it's like honey. And you can say, well, it's golden and it's sticky. and is it? Unless you've t- tasted it, you don't know what honey is. And the more you talk about it, the weirder it seems. Right? This is why people think that the person in love is crazy. But when they, they fall in love, it all begins to make sense. Right? So, the... What is the reality of love? Right? And Imam al-Ghazali says to understand love, you have to understand what is the reality of love itself, and then what are the conditions of love, and what are the means of nurturing love. Right? So, Imam al-Ghazali says, tries to analyze, and it's very profound, the causes of love. Now, what does the human being love? It's a beautiful analysis. We won't go at length into it. That you lo- Why do people love things? They, they love things either because of how beautiful they are or how perfect they are. إِمَّا لِجَمَالٍ أَوْ لِكَمَالٍ Or how perfect it is. Like how... أَوْ لِإِفْضَالٍ Or لِجَمَالٍ أَوْ كَمَالٍ أَوْ إِفْضَالٍ Or because of its benefit. جُبِلَةِ النُّفُوسِ عَلَى حُبِّ مَنْ أَحْسَنَ إِلَيْهَا As the Prophet ﷺ is related to have said, 
people are innately disposed to loving those who do good to them. And if that applies to, to, to people, then what about the one whom you owe your very existence to? Okay. Your very existence arises from Allah bringing you into existence. Okay. Which is why that is the... So love is this inclination, is this male. Okay. Love is an inclination that has a cause. Now all the meanings by which you incline to another thing, whether it's beauty or perfection, jamal or kamal, or ifdal, or benefiting, doing good, all of these are possessed by Allah. He is beauty. He is perfection. He is al-mutafaddil wahdahu haqqan. He is the only benefactor. Every other benefit, every other good is only by his creating. Someone lent you money, Allah created them and he created the inspiration and he created the action. It's all from Allah. We don't deny the means, but we see the, the doer as being Allah. So this inclination, it belongs only to Allah. And even more high, you owe Allah existence itself. So there, there's an existential love. Maulana Rumi opens his methnawi with this. And that all yearning arises from separation. Listen to the song of the reed as it yearns for the reed bed. That's how the Methanawi begins. So the, they said the reed from which flutes were made, why did it make that song? Because it's yearning for its origin. So love is the inherent, the human being has this subtle reality of choice. We incline to choose things. But the root choice that the human being is meant to make is to choose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every other choice in life is inherently unfulfilling. Until you choose Allah. And the act of sincerity, which is to do things for the sake of Allah, this is a way of nurturing the quality that will nurture love within. The truly sincere person is the one who loves Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is why in the next chapter you talk about intention and sincerity. Um, is it the next chapter or the one immediately after it? No, I think it's the next one. Um, so, love has been defined, and Imam al-Ghazali shares a number of the definitions of love. That love, because it's love, is that it, that complete inclination. It's it's meilun da'im biqalbin ha'im. It is a constant inclination with a heart overcome for by the one you are inclining towards. That's love. One of the other early Muslims defined love 
المحبة أنتهب كلك لمن أحببت حتى لا يبقى لك منك شيء Love is that you give yourself You gift yourself completely to the one you love Until nothing of you remain, remains for yourself The love is not something that can be partial. I kind of love Allah, but then again, I like my chocolate chip cookies as well. Right? There is no, you know, they cannot be multiple beloveds. Right? They can only be one love, which is why love is related to Tawheed. Love is the natural consequence of knowing who Allah is. Knowing the oneness of Allah, knowing the attributes of Allah. How do we nurture the love of Allah? There's a, an aspect that relates to knowledge. There's an aspect that relates to action. And then there's a resultant state, which is love. The knowledge, how do we nurture love of Allah? The knowledge, Imam al-Ghazali explained, first you have to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? To know Him by knowing His most beautiful names. And reflecting on them. Which is why the Qur'an throughout is telling you about Allah. Everywhere. Even sometimes the most unlikely place. The rules of divorce are being described, but the Qur'an is not a book of law, although law is found there, through all this multiplicity that the Qur'an is talking about, it, the subject of the Qur'an is one, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is telling you about Allah, which is why even there, he's, Allah tells you about his at names. And the names tell you about the one named. They tell you about his, his beauty, his perfection, his bounty. The three, as, three causes of love. So get to know Allah through knowing His names, which tell you about His attributes, who Allah is. Get to know Allah, and to know Him is to love Him. Get to know Allah by knowing His actions. This is all from Allah. This is all from Allah. As one of the poets said, تَأَمَّلْ سُطُورَ الْكَائِنَاتِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنَ الْحَقِّ لَكَ رَسَائِلُ Reflect on the writing that is creation, for it is from the most real, from Allah, but letters to you. And all of creation is messages of divine oneness. It's ayat, it's signs. They have meanings pointing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the creating of Allah. Appreciate Allah by all the things around. The most immediate is through gratitude for His blessings. Recognize the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa as being from Allah. Grow to love Allah out of what He showers upon you of His blessings. Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadri was asked about, mentioned this once, so someone said, but isn't this a conditional love? That grow to love Allah out of what He bestows upon you of His blessings. So what if, he, 
he's not, it's not blessings he's showering you upon you. He says, and he, we behold nothing but the bestower of the blessings. That it is all a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which is why gratitude, true gratitude, and we've talked about gratitude. Right? True gratitude entails love. Because if you see all of it as being from Allah, not just the, the pleasing things, but the displeasing things. Right? If you see the giving in the withholding, if you see Allah's giving in His withholding, even the withholding becomes from Allah's giving. You learn about the one you love, even when He prevents you. Ta'arraf okay? Allah. I get to know Allah. Right? In all that He sends, the pleasing and the displeasing. And through that, you nurture love. You also nurture love by your actions, by doing the things beloved to Allah, out of love for Allah. In kuntum tuhibbun Allah, fattabi'uni yuhbibkumullah. If you love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. Right? Following the Prophet is beloved. If you, if you love me, meaning if you are seeking to nurture love for me, to attain love for me, to realize love for me, then do that which is beloved to me. Which is, follow the Prophet Allah. Then Allah will surely love you. Right? So how is love nurtured? You have to seek it. Then you strive for it by following the sunnah out of love. In a way beloved to Allah. Allah. And Allah will truly then love you. And then you will experience that reality of yuhibbuhum wa yuhibbuna. He loves them and they Love him. So the sunnah, right? We follow it not mechanically but out of nurturing love, out of a longing for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how our attitude should be towards the sunnah of the beloved Messenger. And to nurture that quality of love, right? One should make that a life commitment. And that's what's called. Shok, yearning, right? That you should feel no satisfaction until you can truly say that you you can truly say, I truly love Allah. And I am truly hopeful that He truly loves me. But it requires constantly striving, meilun daim, constant inclination, biqalbin ha'im, with a heart overcome, right? Read the Qur'an out of love, pray out of love, fast out of love, give in charity out of love. They feed others out of love for Him. And everything. Make everything that you do an act of love. Strive to do it in a manner beloved. See the sunnah as the expression of love. Every act of the sunnah is an expression of what is beloved to Allah and how you express your love for Allah. Right? So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the dua of the Prophet Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbaka wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuballighuna hubbaka ya rabbil alin. Allah, we ask you 
for your love and the love of those you love and the love of an act that will make us attain unto your love. Thank you for listening to this Seekers Hub podcast. To listen to the rest of our shows, please visit seekershub.fm. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter called Compass, where we'll send the best of Seekers Hub's content straight to your inbox every single week. To get on the list, visit seekershub.org slash compass.